brothers and sisters. Welcome to Walking with Jesus through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Michael Talercio, pastoral intern of Forest Hill Presbyterian Church, and it's day 426 that you're joining us for this morning, or this afternoon, or this evening, or whatever time of day it is for you. We're finishing Mark's gospel account today, and that's important for us because what we read of in today's text is what substantiates all that we've been reading throughout Mark's gospel. Without the events that we read of in Mark 16, all of what we have read is for naught. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, without the resurrection of Jesus, our faith is in vain. Preaching the Bible is in vain. Teaching the Bible is in vain. We're still in our sins. These are just some of the things that are true of us, of us as Christians, or really of everyone, if Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead, if what we read of in Mark 16 didn't actually happen. Now, when I say what we read of in Mark 16, I'm referring to only a part of what you may have before you and what we have before us on the screen in terms of Mark 16. Because if you look here on the screen, or if you're looking in your own ESV copy, you'll see right after verse 8, some of the earliest manuscripts do not include 16 9 to 20. It's a reference to verses 9 to 20, what follows that little uh, bracketed statement. And I would like to offer my suggestion there and that it's better stated that the earliest manuscripts do not include 16, 9 to 20, not just some of them. The earliest ones do not include verses 9 to 20. And so when we ask the question, what is Mark 16? We include in that not only an account of the resurrection, but it's Mark 16, 1 to 8, right? If you were to read, for instance, these verses, 9 to 20, which I'm not going to do, you'll notice that they are very dissimilar to what we have read together in our time throughout Mark's gospel account. I'll just read verse 9, and and we'll note one strange feature about it. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Now, this is supposed to be the conclusion to this book, but Now's the first time that we're learning, apparently, that Jesus cast out seven demons from Mary Magdalene, even though she's been mentioned multiple times already. Why is it being mentioned now? And with no follow-up, right? The next verse, she went and told those who had been with him. It, It doesn't really make sense that we would get that detail at that point in Mark's gospel account. And the same goes for pretty much every verse between 9 to 20. Those verses don't read like the rest of Mark's gospel account. And so it's appropriate to realize that the earliest manuscripts don't include these verses. These verses are very different than the rest of the gospel account. They're not authentic to Mark. That's the conclusion I draw, at least. And for that reason, we're not going to include them in our reading and our devotional time here this morning. I would encourage you to read them just to see how different they are from what we have read so far in Mark's gospel. Um, They're they're just really strange. Um, Now, I think why they were included or began being included, not by Mark, but by what we think are uh, scribes or maybe a scribe, uh, who he was probably trying to wrap up Mark's gospel account in a way that made sense of what we read of in other gospel accounts and also kind of just added some detail here to the end of chapter 16 
at verse 8, because as we'll see when we read it, verse 8 ends abruptly. And I think that's appropriate, and I think it's for a good reason. So let's ask for the Lord's help uh, to give us his grace to see what he wants us to from verses 1 to 8 of Mark 16, and to change us through them. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you've given us this account in Mark 16 of Jesus having been raised from the dead. It's because of this that we have hope and we have uh, meaning and our lives aren't futile, Lord. Our faith isn't futile. Thank you for the significance of Mark 16. We pray that as we look at these verses now, Lord, you would open up our minds and our hearts so that we would be transformed by these verses, Lord. Uh, give us wisdom. And I do pray, Lord, that you would uh, bless the, the reading and the hearing and this brief time in them, Lord, for your glory, for the glory of Jesus, who is the resurrected and reigning Lord, uh, and for the good of your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Mark 16, beginning in verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him, that is Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb. For trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Mark ends his gospel account abruptly, doesn't he? We've noticed that already. But why? Why do we see this abrupt ending to this gospel account? Well, I don't know for sure. But I do think it mirrors the beginning of Mark's gospel quite nicely where Mark says in verse 1 of chapter 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And Mark famously leaves out many of the details that we get from Matthew and Luke's gospel accounts, in which we see Jesus being born and growing and developing and gaining favor with God and with man, growing in stature. And we see details like that in other gospel accounts, John actually takes us back to the beginning and says, in the beginning was the word. But in Mark's gospel account, he starts by referring to a prophecy from Isaiah's day and showing how John the Baptist is now on the scene and pointing forward to one who was to come and who would baptize people with the Holy Spirit. So Mark jumps us right into the action in a way that the other gospel writers don't. And so it's appropriate that he ends in a similar fashion, isn't it? He ends with fear and astonishment seizing these women who encounter a man who we know from the other gospel accounts is very likely an angel, and they are just fleeing and they don't even 
go tell the disciples and Peter as the angel instructs them to, this man instructs them to, because they're afraid. We're, we're left with this gospel in the end of this gospel account, right in the thick of it with them. And not only is that appropriate to Mark's writing style and the way that he has framed this gospel account, just remember how he's used that word immediately so many times throughout, we're kind of left here immediately wondering why such an immediate end to the gospel, right? But the point, I think, for us to take away, or one point for us to take away, is Jesus' resurrection changes everything. And his resurrection changes everything so starkly that it's as if there's a brand new reality, a brand new horizon before us as his people, just like there was for the women. We are right in the thick of it with them as they have this experience by the time we end Mark's gospel account. And that's because Jesus' resurrection is that grand. It's that significant. It's that important for us. It's that life-changing. All that happened in Mark's gospel account finds its yes and amen, finds its significance in Jesus rising from the dead. And Mark captures that for us in classic fashion, in the way that he does more than any other gospel writer. And so I think it's appropriate even for us to end today's devotional in as abrupt a manner. I'm just going to go to the Lord in prayer now, and I hope you'll join with me as we go to him and as we ask him to help us to be impacted in the same way that these women were having read this text and in our lives today because Jesus has risen from the dead. Let's pray. Father, thank you that Jesus is alive. We get evidence of it in the passage today. And just as we read, the women were going to the tomb. They were going to try to anoint your son's body with perfume and spices, Lord, but they didn't need to. Instead, Lord, you took care of what not only they thought they needed, which was to have the stone rolled away, but you took care of what they hadn't even been anticipating, which was the need for people to be restored to you by your son dying and rising again. You took care of his resurrection. Jesus rose again from the dead because you saw to it that what he accomplished in his death would have your stamp of approval on it, Lord. His work would be confirmed, Lord, with with his resurrection. And because he couldn't stay dead, because he is not only the Savior who is a man, but he is the Savior who is the Son of God, as Mark tells us at the beginning of his account. He is the Christ, the anointed king who's a man, but he is also the son of God who is that same Christ. He is one person with two natures. And Lord, because he has risen from the dead, our lives are completely made new. We pray for a sense of fear and trembling like the women in today's passage had, Lord, as they encountered the reality of what was what had just played out in time and space. Thank you that we can experience that as your Holy Spirit who lives in us uh, makes the reality of Christ's resurrection real to us. We pray that he would, that he would make Jesus's resurrection real to us today and into the future. May we worship the King that we've read of in Mark's gospel account throughout. May we worship him in a way that honors him and brings glory to you, Lord. And may we 
ever be joyful and ready to serve him uh, who is our king. Even when we forget that he's our king, may we be, may we be ready to serve him because you're at work in us through his spirit now, bringing us back to him, pointing us back to him and enabling us to submit to him. We pray all this in his name. Amen. I'm glad you were able to join us today, brothers and sisters, for chapter 16 of Mark's Gospel account. We're going to be continuing our study of 2 Samuel, and we're going to be looking also at Proverbs and the Psalms, as we occasionally do. And the next book we'll be starting up in the New Testament will be the book of Acts. So I hope you'll be joining us not only for Acts, but regularly as well as we continue in 2 Samuel and Psalms and Proverbs. And in the meantime... I pray that you'll have a blessed day today and evermore into the future. God bless you.